you can be incredibly successful at a lot of things and still feel like a failure if you're not working or you're not operating for the God-given intended purpose of why you were created. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Slow Smoke Business. I'm Jared Morgan. And today we are joined by Riley Meek. Riley is from the King's Council. He's the heart and the brains behind that movement. Welcome to the show, Riley. Hey, Jared. Happy to be here, man. I don't, I don't know about the brains part you said there, but uh, I got a lot of heart about that. He'll take the heart, right? So, <laughs> uh, Riley, I'm so excited to be talking to you, Riley. Riley is, um, you know, we'll say the heart behind the King's Council and talks a lot about the intersection of the business world and faith and the Bible and um, something that's near and dear to my heart, something that I'll be frank, has always been a little bit of a struggle to share in a business setting. And so uh, I'm learning, which is a lot of this podcast is about me learning stuff. It's also about me learning um, how to get better at barbecuing, which is my cue to get over there and get something on the grill. How's that sound, Riley? Sounds good, man. I'm, I'm looking to get better at barbecuing here. So, Well, let's learn together. So this could not be uh, I'm going to pop the grill open today. We actually did our Thanksgiving a little early this year as a family. So this is this is a grill that has been put through the ringer over the last uh, little bit. We've been smoking turkeys and everything else. But we're going to do something really easy today. Chicken, whole chicken on the smoker, dusted with some nice flavoring. And we're going to just let this bad boy get delicious. Can you see that, Riley? It looks... It, I mean, it looks like it will be tasty. I'm, I'm it hoping. Will be tasty. So. Yeah, I've I like never... my chicken medium rare. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've never um, seen like put a whole chicken on on the grill before. So, oh really? Is... No. Yeah, I mean, you've seen like you go in the grocery store and you see the uh, you know like the the rotisserie chicken. The rotisserie, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Same concept. We're just not going to turn it, um, which would be awesome if we could turn it. But eh, you know, that's okay. Um, it'll smoke up the same way. You want to make sure we're going to, we have some temperature probes that go with this pellet grill here. Hashtag not a sponsor. That's why I'm not saying their name. Uh, not yet. And we are, um, we'll just keep an eye. You want to just make a, keep a really close eye on the temperature of these, uh, of these things, because you're, you're cooking a really big piece of meat or really, really big right. piece of animal, I guess. Right. And uh, when you do that, you know, the outsides can get really done. Uh, but the insides cannot be. So you want to like, you really want to look at how that's being uh, done. So I'm going to take one of these salmonella gloves off and dust it one more time. And then we're going to throw some probes in it. Now I like to, some people will bind them up, you know, and you'd see that a lot with Turkey too. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to let it kind of spread out. I think that gets the wings and stuff a little crispier, which I like. So we're going to go probe right into the, the breast there and then i'm gonna go probably one into the other we'll go kind of maybe towards the dark meat down the middle there we go all right so we got two different probes telling us temp and this concludes this session of the cooking class so i love it and then you just have the thermometer that sits on the outside i i feel like i've overcomplicated grilling my whole life man this is phenomenal. okay look this is a this is an ongoing war on this show um as 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 many barbecue purists will tell me this they will say this is not barbecuing i wholeheartedly disagree this is a pellet grill it uses the latest technology to make this easier 
But the idea with the pellet grill is, you know, you've got the compressed little wood pellets and you're getting smoke and everything else. I've done the look, man, I have the street cred. I've gone to the country man's house with the the trailer and you're buying wood chunks off yeah. of him and you're putting it in. I've done all that. Right. This is so much faster. I'm a busy guy. I don't have a ton of time to be like today. We're going to do a 400 hour cook. Of, I don't know who I I'm busy. Right. I got kids. I got a business. The pellet grill is the way to go. I love it. I, I, I need to get one, man. Then there you go. When you're and you're in Minnesota, so you like there there is a there is a definitive grilling season up there, I would imagine. Oh yes. Yes, there is, man. And we are we are going into not grilling season. So maybe I'll put this on my Christmas list. My wife can get me something like this. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, let's jump. I want to jump right into like the meat of the questions. Um, you know, and I want to hear about how King Council came about, King's Council came about. But I want to ask you, like, to me, what is the biggest question? about this type of thing. What do you say to somebody when they say, I don't understand how business and biblical teaching and business and faith can actually coexist? Mm. Well, I would number one, determine if that person is actually a a believer in Christ, right? Because if they are, then they can't not coexist, right? If you've, if you've committed your life to to Christ and and you, you followed and looking to him as savior and Lord, um, uh, which is a big thing for, for me, you know, I'd, I'd given my life to Christ at a young age, the age of 16, but I didn't actually look to Jesus as Lord until about four years ago. And, and, it, and it was a wow. revelation. I understood because I'd gone on and made a, a, you know, a decent amount of money, multiple businesses we've built, uh, done nine figures in revenue. And, and it's been, you know, wow. great financially, right? The world would say, oh, you're successful, but man, I never felt more unfulfilled in my, in my entire life until about four years ago. And, and that's when I realized, man, that you can be incredibly successful at a lot of things and still feel like a failure if you're not working or you're not operating for the God-given intended purpose of why you were created. And, and what I mean by that is like, I, I'll give you an example. I have, I have a treadmill downstairs in my home gym. It is an incredible clothes hanger. It's incredible. It hangs my clothes so <laughs> well. Man, it, it, I would like to introduce you to my Peloton. It's getting the same job done, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? But it's it would be successfully hanging my clothes, right? But yeah. it's not operating for the God-given intended purpose of why the manufacturer made it. And and so I would I would argue that the manufacturer would be like, bro, that's not that's <laughs> not success, right? And and yeah. and that's where I found myself where it was like, okay, could I actually, um, can I still crush business? This was this was a, a big thing for me. Can I still crush business and be sold out for Jesus at the same time? Because most of my upbringing was like, those are two different things. Like I, most of the, the Christians in my hometown, I grew up in South Dakota. Most, you know, self-professed Christians were broke, broken and defeated. And it was like, I didn't want any of that in my life. And so that's why I, I you know, I I had an experience and given my life to Christ, but then it was like, I'm going to do my own thing. So it's like, okay, I think I got in the door of heaven, but I wasn't taking advantage of all the the opportunities that it actually gave me, as well as operating within the kingdom. And which what we co- coach a lot on now is the kingdom economy, 
um, and and just the ability, the, the the freedom that we have when we actually have that understanding of, of what it actually is. So explain to me what the kingdom economy is too, because I, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, well, I like to break it down. Um, even I, I like to break down words uh, just because if we understand. Uh, kingdom, right? So Jesus right. is king. Even you mentioned the King's Council. It's our it's our, yeah. our ministry in which we uh, there's a bunch of faith based entrepreneurs. We help coach in the business world, and and the Jesus is king, right? So if we understand yeah. that, and we, we break down the the word kingdom, uh, Jesus being king, and then Dom D O M that actually comes from the word domain, right? Which is like a uh, an, an eminent territory, right? But if used as the suffix form, not to get too nerdy on this for you, used okay. as a suffix form though, we think of other words uh, that, you know, the DOM like freedom or stardom or boredom, right? So it's a state or a being. So kingdom would be God's rule and reign as, as the state or the being in my life, right? So when we have a kingdom mindset, when we have, when we're a kingdom entrepreneur, it is God's continual rule and reign in our life. And that's, and we're seeking him first. Now we can create what, what I call the kingdom economy, right? And most of us, when we think of an economy, even as uh, like in, in the U.S., we have uh, the gauge of an economy or different nations gauge the economy based upon our GDP, right? The gross domestic productivity. So it's not even about how much cash is printed, right? Or, or even how much gold is stacked up, you know, behind the bank's vaults. It's about the productivity that's taking place. What are we actually producing? And as kingdom entrepreneurs, our, our original mandate in Genesis 128 was to be fruitful, uh, to multiply, to subdue this earth, have dominion. And I really believe that's a lot of people think that's about just like making babies, uh, which is fun to do making them right. Maybe not raising them, but making them. Um, but it, it's more about the kingdom culture that we are to to have and to instill throughout the world, throughout the earth. But the problem was, you know, that was Genesis chapter one. And uh, by Genesis three, dude, we jack it all up. We we fell, and and now this world is a freaking nightmare. Um, but the beautiful thing is, if you're a follower of Jesus, when he 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 came. Uh, he died on the cross and ultimately he rose again. And when he came back, uh, he came preaching one thing and that was the kingdom of heaven is here. And so the beautiful thing, like he, he came back to like restore original creation. So we can operate with this kingdom authority, this kingdom mindset, this kingdom culture in creating the kingdom economy, right? The productivity that how we're producing and providing into the marketplace. Um, so that's to me, man, is, is the kingdom economy. And unfortunately, uh, I, man, I, I, I read this uh, a few years ago. It's crazy to me, but unfortunately most Christians, and this is dude, why, why I've struggled so much to even go down this path of like, can I crush business? Can I actually uh, make a lot of money and be a Christian, and because most of the products and things that I that I saw in the marketplace, like if you were a, a self-professed Christian, like I kind of got, I kind of felt like, yeah, it's probably not very good. Like the quality probably sucks because they went the cheapest <laughs> route. That, you know what I mean? Because yeah, if, if totally. we're honest with the like, most of us probably have that thought or that mindset, which is terrible, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and that's well, where. But I mean, we've been we've been conditioned to see that though, like. Yeah. 
no offense to no offense to the media makers out there, but like for so many for so long, like if you saw like a Christian movie, Christian movie star, so and it was always like oh like regular movies here, like you know then then like Hallmark holiday movies, and then like the Christian movies are way down here where you're like oh the quality is horrible. Now yeah. they've gotten way better like october baby you know the Irwin yeah. brothers all those guys are doing incredible things now but i totally get it that you when you see a business historically when you see a business and they put the christian part too far out in front there's an assumption that they're honest right and and that they're probably also maybe not that good right yes, unfortunately <laughs> yeah i mean pre- previously is- so how do we break that right yeah well it, dude I- I'm glad you asked because it starts, I believe, with entrepreneurs in, in coming into this, this understanding of what the kingdom, what, what does a kingdom entrepreneur actually even mean? And then how do we operate within the kingdom economy? And I think that the reason for it, it's so crazy to me, man. It, even when you when you look across the, the church here in America, it's like a lot of Christians are, are, are we're broke, right? It's like they're they're just like they they view money as as evil right which yes. is is oh. completely incorrect um it's a tool right it's it's what yeah. we do with it that's going to matter most now it can certainly corrupt people but i really believe most christians are serving money cuz scripture tells us that hey we we can't serve both god and and money or the proper actual translation would be mammon which is like the yeah. spirit of money the the power yes. that we give it and I think most Christians are serving money in their poverty. And, and why I say that is, is I think the enemy has done a good job at like infiltrating the, the mindset of believers, infiltrating the church to, to like think this concept that it's like to be to be poor is is like more righteousness. It's like, yes. it's like, dude, you can't. Yes. And, and th- this is what unlocked me, man. I, gosh, I get fired up when I, when I even Let's come on. I'm no, I'm, I'm literally, I'm about to stand up. I'm <laughs> because, keep going, dude. So we've all heard this parable of the good Samaritan. Even if you're not a believer, you probably yes. have heard this like, okay, the good Samaritan. Um, and if we, when I read this again, Luke chapter 10, as, as I'm, as I'm reading this a few years ago, and this is just kind of where, again, I'm like, okay, can I be a, a Christian? Can I actually like do this thing, but still make money? Or is like that, that an oxymoron, right? And when I read this thing, it was like, God, and this is how I know the, the Bible to be the living, breathing word of God, because you can read it so many times. And then revelation occurs when God needs it to, to occur in your life. Like he, he will speak to you if you're abiding in him, abiding in his word. And when I read this, it says the priest passed on the other side of the street, right? So first off to to set the scene, for those that don't know this story, there's a a dude who gets beat up. He's, he's robbed from, he's beat up and he's in bad shape on sitting on the side of the road. The priest passes is, is strolling through and he's like, yeah, I don't have time to deal with that. Right. And, and he, he, he literally passes on the other side of the street. A Levite, another very religious person. It's like, I can't even I don't have time for that because th- there's like a like a a cleansing time that they actually had to to do if they were to touch an unclean person. Like they had, I don't remember how many hours it was, but they had to like go be cleansed from this. So he didn't want to be bothered with that. Right. They're they're so religious. They didn't want to be bothered right. with that. And and then along comes the Samaritan who's strolling through town. And this is me being an entrepreneur. Like, I'm like, well, yeah, the guy's, he's, he's, a, he's on a business trip. He's strolling through town. 
Uh, and it says that he had compassion on this man and, and he, he bandaged him up, put oil on his head, says that he put him on his own donkey, took him to the inn, paid for him to be at the, yep. stay at the innkeeper and then goes to the innkeeper like, Hey, I got to go on. Cause of course he's got to get to his business meeting. Right. Uh, he's like, I got to go on, but Hey, when I come back, even if there's debt due, I will take care of that. Like just take care of this person here. And then Jesus asks, is just, this is Jesus telling this story. He asks, like, which one had mercy? The disciples are like, well, obviously the, the Samaritan. He said, yes, you've answered correctly. And then this, this very next statement, bro, is what unlocked me. He said, go and do likewise. And when I read that, it was like a lightning bolt direct from heaven, sparked the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it is incredibly expensive to be that type of Christian. It's incredibly expensive. Like if I'm supposed to be the one that that takes care of somebody, takes them to the end, pays for them, and then pays for their due, and then Jesus literally commands to go and do likewise, it was like, if, if I only have enough for me, if I'm only concerned, and this is what I think a lot of Christians' mindset is, is that God, I'm not greedy. I just need enough for me, right? And this is how they justify their weak behavior in the marketplace or even in business. They're like, listen, I'm not greedy, just enough for me. And to me, that is the greediest thing that I've ever freaking heard. Because if you're only concerned about your needs and taking care of your uh, whatever you got going on in your life, how in the world can you go help anybody else? I'm standing up. I'm fired up. I got to get standing (laughs) up. I got blood. I got blood pumping. No, but yeah. seriously, I have I have said that many, many times to people when they're trying to understand from my own perspective. I've never said it as elegantly as you have, but the Good Samaritan, to sum it up a little bit, the Good Samaritan, which is one of the Bible's most ubiquitous examples of a Christian, yep. right? Like of what of what a of what a person is supposed to be, right? Yep. Was clearly a rich person, right? Yep. You can't you can't tell me that money is bad. When money can be used uh, to do those types of things. And I feel like if someone's watching this podcast, if someone is trying to better themselves and plug into like the kinds of things we talk about on this show and the kinds of things you're talking about, it tells me that they feel like they've been called for more. And my own personal calling, which I've, you know, started sharing a lot more lately because I feel like people want to hear it. My own personal calling on my life was to be strong for people who could not be themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to create enough margin in my life that I can help other people, right? Either through influence or whatever, right? Capital, whatever whatever it is. I think it's the biggest cop out in the world. I'm still standing up if you're watching the audio, if you're yeah. listening to the audio and you can't see it. I'm so fired up, I'm standing. I think it's the biggest cop out in the world to say that money is evil. It's so it's gosh, it's so it's so simplistic. And so, well, yep, money is evil. Therefore, that's why I'm broke. Man, look how pious I am. Right. Check my bank account if you want to know how good of a person I am. No, by the way, everyone would say that it's if you're controlled by money, that's a negative thing. That's probably not of the Lord. And I will tell you that no one is more controlled by money than someone who doesn't have much. Right. Because they absolutely it controls when they get out of bed, where they go, what they have to do, the sacrifices they have to make, whether they can take care of themselves or their loved ones. They are controlled by money. And I'd never thought about it the way you just said it. But the whole go and do likewise statement at the end of that parable is telling you 
if you're reading that and you're trying to plug into it, go and build enough margin in your life. doesn't mean you got to go build a, a massively successful business, although that is certainly one avenue. It means that you need to go build enough margin in your life so that when someone who needs mercy comes across your path and you feel that tug on you that you're supposed to be the one that helps them, you have the ability to do it. Yeah. Yeah, Jared, that's so good, man. And and I, I would even argue like, I think you have to go build a successful business, right? Because- Yeah, well, sir, certainly the only way I know to do it, right? <laughs> yes, yes. But but I think the reason why, and this was when I when I said that unlocked me, it, what it did is that verse gave me permission. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so to come back to like another parable in the Bible is uh, the, the parable of the talents, which is another thing that that really uh, helped me gain perspective on this. Because the, the story, it tells us that there's a master, he's going on a trip and he's he's going to equip uh, these three servants with with um, talents. Right. So talents would be like money, denarii. And, and so it said one one got five, one got two and, uh, and the other got one. And I remember my original mindset when I read this, I thought, man, that's not fair. Like, why did one get one or one get two and the other one got five? Like, that's not fair. And how many of us actually take on that victim mindset, whether we think we were a victim or not, if you have that mindset where it's like not fair, it, but you got, you got to clearly read the, the, the entire story here. It says that he gave to them according to their ability. Not based upon anything else, but their ability. And then when I broke this down, I'm like, well, how does he know what their ability was? And as you read this, I really broke it down to, to three things. And this is what I think that when, when we when we know that God gives to us according to our ability, it's based upon, number one, our availability. Like which one of those servants was making themselves available to God? Like, God, use me. I want to be blessed to be a blessing. I want to be a vessel that you can just use me to to uh, do whatever's needed on this earth, right? Because at the end of the day, God doesn't need us, but the systems in place that He put in it requires us, right? He made yeah. man to original the original Creator, God. Okay, created man to co-create with Him, and that's back to that Genesis one twenty eight that kingdom culture that we're supposed to have on this earth. But the 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 um, ability concept, then are we making ourselves available? Then if we are making ourselves available, are we uh, making ourselves, are, are we responsible to, to actually handle what we've been given? Because if you read the story, the one who got five doubled it, the one who got two doubled it, and then the one who got one buried it, just freaking yeah. buried it. And, and so he wasn't, I mean, was that responsible? Maybe, but here's the third ability factor, the accountability. Clearly says the master was returning. When the master returns, he's going to ask, what did you do with what I gave you? And, and this is what, was, what's, what rocks me too, Jared, that if, if you read this, it, it, the, the one who got five heard, well done, good and faithful servant. The one who got two, well done, good and faithful servant. And the one who just buried it, this is what, what he said. He said, I knew you harsh. be a hard man. I knew oh. you be a hard man. And this is where I really believe that our, our concept or our understanding of who God is is in direct correlation to our understanding of money, right? So if, if, if we knew, if we're looking to God as like, oh man, he's a hard man. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna toil. Life's gonna be hard. We're just gonna bury it. We're gonna hold on to what we have and not, 
put it to actual use. Right. And so and, and the crazy thing is, is he just said, I buried it. He didn't even bring it back to the master where the two that uh, the other two that had two <laughs> and five actually said they came and brought they brought it back to the masters. Like, see, I think of a dog like every time they're like, look what I did. Look what I did. Right. And the other one is like, nah, it's over there. I buried it just because I knew. I don't, think I, I don't think I ever caught that in the story. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't even bring it back. He didn't even dig it up and go. Hey man, no. I just made sure. I just made sure it didn't disappear. Right? No, right? it's like. And then, uh, and then what did he call him? He, he said, "You wicked and lazy yeah. servant." Like, be harsh. Oh, this is man. one of the most harsh rebukes you've seen in the, in the Bible. It's a very harsh rebuke. So harsh, and but that's where I think we need to take responsibility. Right back to the, the I call them the three itties of the of being of able, right? The availability, responsibility, and accountability. And as entrepreneurs, we especially if you live in the great country that we live in, right? No matter what's going on in the world politically, uh, we still are extremely blessed to live here and we have every freaking opportunity at our fingertips, right? That the, the starving kids over in Rwanda or Myanmar right now, they don't have the opportunities that we have, right? We are so freaking blessed, yet we take it for granted. And this is why back to, I'd said, I think you you do need to create a successful business because we have the ability to do so. There's there's nothing holding you back. There's, there's a YouTube video for everything today if you really desired that, that, that success, right? If we even want to call it that. Uh, desire more for your life. You have the ability, the tools, the resources to do so. The challenge is like, why aren't you doing it? Like, why, why isn't that fire in your belly to get going and put to work what you've been given to multiply and ultimately as a kingdom entrepreneur, create that kingdom culture on this earth. So I'll get off my soapbox. No, I mean, it's, it's so great. You know, one of the, one of the things I think, you know, entrepreneurs struggle, struggle with when they think about, uh, you know, how their how faith and morality and everything sort of weaves into that is the money side of things. And, and it usually rears its head when you see somebody and I'll be trying to help a business or a business that I've acquired or a business, whatever. And you start looking at what um, they're charging for their services or their products. And you realize that it is way, way, way off whack way off of like what everyone else in the industry is charging. So somebody else is charging a hundred dollars for something. And, you know, you, you have some super honest entrepreneur uh, who's charging 40, right? Instead of 100. And what does that mean? What it, well, what it means is this, this person thinks they're doing a wonderful thing. And to some degree they are, right? They're giving a wonderful gift by doing it so cheaply to these customers. The customers are usually excited and whatever. But here's the downstream effect of taking that too far, right? Uh, if it truly is, if it truly should be priced at $100, you're, there's $60 of margin in there that can go to pay your employees, pay your employees more, uh, to expand your business so you can hire more people, to create more money coming back to the people that work there so that they can do good for their loved ones and maybe yeah. even outside of their circle for other people's in their life. There, uh, I worked with a guy named Scott McFarland. He had this story when he was working in the, the healthcare tech industry. He was working at a Catholic hospital and the nuns would be in the room and they would be in the boardroom and they'd be talking about a bunch of different things and they were setting prices. And he said, I'll never forget hearing the head nun there start banging the table and say, she would say no margin, no mission. Right. Because if she said, she was saying, if we don't have a margin in what we do, there's no, there's no ability to go out and fulfill the mission. Right. If we're just barely getting by, cause we feel so, 
bad that we might actually get paid fairly for what we're doing, then there's not enough to go and grow things. And then God forbid, and it's going to happen, something bad happens to your business. You don't have enough saved up to save you, save your employees, save your business, you know, help your community. It just is a negative thing. And so if you're out there and you are starting your business or you're running your business and you're like, man, I'm just not making enough money. And you know, gosh, I'm, I'm doing just as good of a job as these guys over here. And they're charging three times what I'm charging and I can't get anybody to get, I'm telling you, it's time to think about, um, you know, boy, this is going to go viral. If I say it the wrong way, it's time to think about raising your prices. Right. But like if you, because you have to charge fair costs for what you're doing, unless you're, unless your whole strategy is a Walmart strategy and you're going to try to sell a thousand when everyone else is selling, you know, 10 and you're going to make a little bit on each one. But again, no margin, no mission, right? Give yourself margin so that you can build a business and help your people around you build a life where they can be a life and a light to others. Yes. That's so good, Jared. I think, I think it's, it's irresponsible of you not to charge higher prices Right, because if if you first off, it's it's a complete value uh, concept or understanding. Like if you're providing value, the problem is 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 if you have diminished your value based upon yeah. your mindset. You, I, I, this is why I believe it's irresponsible because I believe you're doing a disservice to the person that's purchasing. Right, those who pay pay attention. This is why even in our coaching community, you pay a fee to be a part of it. Right now, it's a ministry, so all the money is actually going into the nonprofit that that is being deployed to do epic things, uh, uh, just incredible things. But but uh, I, the reason for that isn't because I need money. I make enough money with my other businesses. The reason for it is I know that this is a kingdom principle: the law of sowing and reaping. That if if you sow into something, you will reap. Right. This is like one of the most basic kingdom principles that. Back to, I think, your very, very first question of like, how do we, can business and, and like Christianity and our faith be together? I think yeah. if you are a Christian and you are in business, you are playing with one arm behind your back if you don't operate with with these principles that are in, in the Bible. The Bible is our instructional manual. And if we actually played this thing out where we followed these principles, we win every freaking time. It's it's epic. There, there's principles no different than this pen right now. I'm going to drop it because of a law of gravity. There, that's a principle. There are principles within the Bible littered all throughout scripture. But the problem is we don't, we don't operate within the kingdom, his rule and reign back in, in our life. And if we did that, man, incredible things would, would take place. And so, I, I mean, I have... I have clients where I would charge five grand for, and I've given the same same value to somebody uh, as I that maybe pays five hundred bucks. But the yeah. person that pays five grand always takes quicker action. They always do things uh, like immediately because the value that they've put on it is that much more. There's a guy that I worked with, Jason Hopper, who used to say this all the time to me: "Price is what you pay, and value is what you get." Right? And you have to really like think about the way those two things intersect. And if you're giving if you're giving the same value as someone else that's charging three times what you're charging, you really need to ask yourself why. Right? Why is that? Per- is that person? Is it too? I mean, there. And to be clear, there's a limit, right? So 
you know, if you're, if you're selling a commodity, like I'm not saying that the Lord is telling you to charge a hundred dollars for every orange that you sell. Right. right. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's not going to work, but at the same time, like, if, if you need to hear this message, you already, it's already resonating with you. Right. I mean, you, you already hear it and you go, Oh, I should be, this is, I, this was meant for me because again, if you don't do that kind of thing, that's the part of, I think, you know, culturally we're in a weird place in America right now where, um, it can be looked down upon to be a successful person or a business person, or certainly like if you run a successful business that makes money, everyone just assumes that, boy, how many people did you knife to get to where you are? And I think um, people that look at it that way don't understand that when you look at businesses that can weather global pandemics or global recessions or downturns in their industry or bad luck or whatever, the, the loss of a massive client, the businesses that can survive those moments and not have to lay off everybody and destroy a bunch of people's careers and everything else are the ones that have been able to reap and sow and put some away so that they can take care of themselves in a bad situation, right? And you can, you just can't do that unless you come into things with the mindset that you're going to get paid fairly for what you do. Yes. And that's the and that's the moment that that part when I asked that question at the beginning of the episode where my mind was was that that's the part where it breaks down for everyone who's trying to live in the business world and also be a person of faith. Right? Is it's right when they when they're like do I how do I charge money for this? Right. And when I was I was at the Badass Business Summit a couple of months ago, and it was a, co- a question I got three or four times from people that were right at the very beginning is just how they were timid about asking someone to pay for the value that they're bringing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, if you can't figure that out, this is never going to work. Right. I mean, it's just and you're certain that like it's ne- not even is it going to be massively successful. You might not even be able to keep the lights on. And so. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get, right? Focus on the value. And the price should be the price people are willing to pay and be happy with what they got and not feel like they got taken. And so yes. that's that's the formula, right? You have the value there. The price should be what people are willing to pay and not feel like they got cheated. Yes. Yes. And, and understanding those situations, I think you gave that example of like an orange um, I love I love this concept or even just this discussion, man, because uh, while an orange may be a commodity here, we understand if I, if I was on a, a desert island and if you and I were on a desert island, man, and, and you had an orange and I had stacks yeah. of cash, I'm I'm happy to pay a hundred bucks for that bad boy. <laughs> Supply and demand, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. So understanding that and, you know, uh, I, man, we could talk about this for hours, the value and then perceived value of what people think they're getting, right? Versus what they're actually getting. Um, but yeah, the, the the concept of value, I think, is so incredible in the business world. Um, but most Christians devalue themselves solely based upon their mindset and what they think they're, they're what I think that the enemy has deceived them into thinking actually is being a good steward, a good Christian. It's not the cheapest. It's not the the, you know, the, the lowest woe is me mentality. No, if, because here's, here's the reason I say that, man, if you believe the word of God, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have to, you don't get to cherry pick and truncate scriptures and pull out this one to serve you. This is what happens though. Most Christians, a lot of churches even do this, right? Where they're like, they'll, they'll pull out a scripture to, to meet their, their message for that week. That ain't how it works. Cause when I read the Bible, I read that, 
my God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. My, that, that there's, there's, he is not a God of lack. He is a God of abundance. And prosperity is riddled throughout the entire Bible. There's a lot of talk about it, right? So it, it's not that I'm a, a prosperity gospel teacher, but I am a gospel teacher, right? I'm certainly in a poverty gospel teacher because everybody that, that I looked through the Bible that was broken, broken, I mean, that was that wasn't good, right? It's like it, there, it, there's a many, uh, many signs of, of blessing throughout the Old Testament of actually uh, what wealth and actually what that did for you uh, and your, your generations to come, right? The, the genealogy there. And so um, back to just, you know, Jesus coming on the scene and, and preaching the kingdom. It's like, well, we have to get back to these kingdom concepts and these principles and understanding that our resources may change here on this earth, but our source if you are, if you've committed your life to Christ, our source will never change. And, and if we keep coming back to him in that, this is why I have multiple businesses, man. I've, I've, it's resources are going to change over and over again, but I'm, I'm committed to my source ultimately. I just feel like it's, uh, it's an easy thing for people to think that, you know, when you get into business that Christianity requires you to be, you know, you, you, we focus too much on the meek shall inherit the earth and, you know, that we think that that permeates like every activity that you should ever do. And I think that I I don't think, um, I don't think the Bible requires you to be a wimp. Right. And if you do think that, I think you should probably go read about King David. Yeah. Right. And, and who, who, who's definitely not a wimp. Um, and I think you should, I think you should read about, you know, any number of people that fought down demons and battles and, and enemies and did it in the name of what was good and what was righteous. And, you know, then, then, then go set your business plan and your pricing, right. And see how you feel about that. But I think, you know, this whole concept of like, you can't be a smart, sharp, uh, business person who's making savvy moves and things like that. And also be a follower of Christ is just faulty. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I remember that, that phrase, I can't remember who said it the first time, but, you know, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than mm. a gardener in a war. Yeah. Right. And it's better to have the power to do more and and to do bad things and choose to do good. Right. Choose to control that beast. than it is to be in an all out war and you've never taught yourself the skills to survive or to help the side of good win. You know? Yes. Yes. Dude, and that just, I mean, that comes back to even the, the ability again. Are you, are you taking responsibility for, for the talents that you even have? It doesn't even have to be uh, talent as in money, right? But the talent as in what's the God-given gifting and ability that you've, you've, you've been given and put that to use. Like we're, we're responsible for that. Um, so yeah, this is just, is great. And, and, uh, you, you said, uh, meek and, you know, I, I'm pretty, uh, uh, versed on this. Hence it is my last name. You know, the meek shall inherit the earth. That's uh, the Riley meek, the Riley meek will inherit sure. the earth. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure he was referring to me. Um, but that, that being meek, even just your, your reference there of the gardener and the warrior, it's like being meek, isn't that you, you're, you're passive and you're, you're willing to let things happen or, or let it go. It's like, no, you are, you, it's, it's power under control. It is, it is, you can be a freaking warrior uh, at any given point, but you know, hopefully you don't have to 
pull the she- pull the sword out of the the sheath, right? But if you if you have to, you you're more than capable of doing so, right? That's what I think that the most Christians need to be more assertive, uh, more taking boldness, have actually um, uh, standing up for their values and their beliefs. And because when they don't, I think we get a heck of a lot more of what we see right now in the world, just culture, you know, trampling over Christians and their their beliefs. Uh, and and uh, yeah, we just need more bold, righteous people that are on fire uh, for, for Jesus, but also for standing up for what's right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Let's get a check on our chicken over here. We need to make sure. I've got my temperature probe saying we're about at 101. Look at that, baby. Come on, we're getting a little bit of that golden action there on the top. Let's just hit it with a little more. I'm running out of running out of stuff. If these guys were a, a, a sponsor, maybe I'd have more. Right. Right. Gosh, <laughs> you know, when you get the chicken skin, when you go slow and you get it crispy and brown, come on. It's That's looking good, man. The Lord is smiling. The Lord is yes. smiling on us in that. So speaking <laughs> of slow smoke chicken, let's talk about patience for a second, because Ooh. I think um, speaking for my stepping in the confessional right now. Right. OK. Mm-hmm. If, I, if there's a weakness that I have in business, it's patience. And um, I, I've especially especially if you have. Uh, if you have done something well or you've had some success and then you're turning around and you're trying to do something else, it's so easy to get amnesia that the first time you probably had success, it was a slog to get where you are. And truthfully, if success happens really, really quickly, it's usually very fleeting um, and it can probably disappear as quickly as it came. And so I, I think if you truly believe in the mission that you're on, you believe that you've been called to do the things that you do, if you've been called to entrepreneurship or whatever it is, um, I think you're also being called to patience. And that is something you are going to have to repeat to yourself all the time as you look in the mirror and you go, you know, you splash some water in your face going, why is this not, why, why is this not working yet? Like, I would, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've done that in my career where I'm looking around going, these guys, I don't, they're not, are they that much smarter than me that they've got this go? You know what I mean? Like I, why, why, why is this not working? And it just, um, I saw, I saw a, a, a picture the other day of the, like the process of entrepreneurship. And there's like, when you start, there's like the initial sort of elation and we're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to conquer the world. It's unbelievable. And then you fall into the, the trough of disillusionment, right? Yeah. And it's inevitable. It doesn't matter how many times you've started a business, you go on that path. And then there's lots of different, I've seen different versions of that picture where there's lots of different things that happen out of that. You're trying things and there's some Eureka moments and whatever. And then eventually you either give up down at the bottom of the trough or you keep plugging along and you start to figure things out, but that trough um, requires patience. And if mm-hmm. there's if there's anything that uh, faith can teach us in the business world, it is how to uh, rely on your faith to be patient and wait for do the do the good work that you know that you're supposed to be doing. Also being humble enough to figure out what you're doing wrong and improve and everything else. Um, but I wonder if you have some thoughts on people, how did I need this for myself? How does, how do you teach people to be more patient as they build a business? 
Yeah, great, great question, man. Because um, patience is like, is not my thing. Uh, and I think most <laughs> entrepreneurs, right? Most entrepreneurs, we the reason we we dive into entrepreneurship typically is because we love the thrill of the hunt, right? It's like, yeah. yes, let's we're going to battle today. We, the battle of business is just so epic and it's it's addicting and and so many of us i think get, even get shiny object syndrome where it's like oh i can do this now and yeah then, yeah yeah maybe we're feeling that a little bit of tension there it's like ah this is harder than i thought let me go do this now and we're not sticking to the the reason why we started right and and this is how within the king's council we have a framework that that we coach on uh and it's 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 pretty basic, but it comes back to a biblical framework that uh, works every single time. It literally, this works every single time if you work it, right? And it, it it's seven basic stages that people go through and I'll run through it real quick if that's, if that's good, Jared. Um, yeah, but it's, please. It's, I'd like to give a little understanding of this. If you just go and read Genesis chapter one, just read Genesis chapter one, that's the framework. And I've actually written a book on this called The Seven Day Blueprint, the original creator, right? As an entrepreneur, I want to follow who I believe the original entrepreneur was. And, and my definition of entrepreneurship simply means the original French word of it, entreprendre, simply meant to undertake. Ooh, say yeah. that again. Pardon my French, that? Jared. It's, it's a, no French. <laughs> entreprendre. Entreprendre. Oh. Uh, it just means to undertake. So whether you're a, I think you could be a stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, right? You could be a, a grill master, entrepreneur. You could be whatever. If you're willing to undertake that task at hand and being God, being the original creator, uh, he undertook the task of, of creating us, right? And, and Genesis chapter one gives us his framework. And so why wouldn't I follow the, the master at this thing? Mm. And, and it, we break it down each day. First off, we serve a God of structure and order. He's, he is detailed and he planned every single one of these days out. And from, from the beginning of time, the first thing that he did, first off, he spoke everything into existence, this is what Genesis tells us. He, he spoke everything into existence. And, and our, our words as, as believers, whether you're a believer or not, I guess, your words are powerful, right? You don't have to believe this crap, but it, it actually works if you actually abide by these things. So with what, we, what are we speaking? Are we speaking life into our business, right? But the first thing that, that it says is God said, let there be light, and what do you think of Jared actually when, when I say light, like let there be light, what's the first thing that pops into your head? I mean, the first thing I, well, it depends. It depends on my, where my head's at. I could say the sun, but I could also, when I hear light, I think of vision. I think of being able to see things, Ooh, right? It's good, man. Yeah. Cause, Cause originally I thought sun, I'm like, okay, yeah, the sun, yeah. but as I continued to read the sun and the moon weren't created until day four. And then also in scripture, I, I read, it tells us that God is light. So then it's like, well, what the heck is that? How does that work? If God said, let there be light, but you hit it dead on, man, it was vision. The very first thing that God, God cast was his vision. He said, let there be light. And his vision, his energy was cast. And actually science actually proves this today that the universe as we know it is still expanding at the speed of light crazy man crazy and but but when we come into this thing of a vision god had a very specific vision of what he was creating he was creating us 
to co-create with him. We jacked it up though. And being Alpha and Omega, if he's God, he he knows everything that happened and everything that will forever happen, right? Like that's what scripture tells us. He, he he's he's all-knowing, he's omniscient, right? So how does why the heck would he do that? And this is where I really believe this is the reason why is his vision was so strong. It gave any sort of pain purpose in his life. And as business owners and as entrepreneurs, if our vision is not clear and it is not so strong rooted in this is why I got started. This is why I'm going to push through even when things suck, even when the phone's not ringing, when the email's not picking up, our ads aren't hitting. We have a vision that we are going to adhere to. Right. And once we're crystal clear on that, then it says that that on day two, okay, God, it says he he separated the heavens from the earth. This is he created what we know as our atmosphere. Right. In a business world, I consider this the culture. Like what is the culture that you've now created based upon the vision that you have? Are your employees excited? Are they coming to work because they, they love the culture that they are part of? Or are they like, yeah, I don't really I'm not really about this thing. Right. Because you got to do some work there. Then if we've got the culture, day three, it says that God actually peeled back the waters. He created dry land and vegetation. This is fascinating to me because he had to actually create this. Everything that we know was created in a specific order. He had to create what we know as uh, uh, oxygen, carbon dioxide being converted into oxygen, photosynthesis, all of this had to be created, and this is in our in the business world what I would consider structure. This is the playbook for your business. Do you have an actual playbook? Do, does everybody know the plays that they're supposed to be running? There's marketing, sales. Is there is there a playbook? Not a business plan. Okay, business plans are worthless unless you're trying to raise capital, in my opinion. It's the daily playbook, your SOPs, what are we actually doing here? To, to, to fulfill, to keep the company culture, but to fulfill the ultimate vision. Day four then, it says God actually uh, placed the stars in the sky, the sun, the moon, everything. This is really when he created what we know as time, right? This 24-hour period or what I would consider order in our business. is It's the implementation of the structure, right? There are, things, are things being measured? Are they being tracked? Are they being recorded? Okay, and then day five, I'm trying to go through this quick, Jared. <laughs> day oh, this five, is great. I'm, I'm loving it. Let's keep going. Keep going. Day five, it says he actually created the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, which is crazy because he hasn't even created us yet. We, we're not even there's, – there's no other even animals, but he first creates the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And I'm like, why in the world would he do that? Well, it's pretty interesting that the birds ate the fish, right, and then the birds would – defecate, not to be disgusting as we're grilling chicken here, but the, the birds would defecate into the, the water to, to create algae and coral, right? Also on dry land, which fertilized the vegetation. Okay. So this is what I would consider momentum in the, in the business world. You have different divisions depending upon the size of your business. Uh, HR, are they, uh, are they working with the sales team, the recruiting team um, is marketing and sales uh, uh, communicating is there is there momentum that's taking place here because if 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 one vertical is hurting right let's say in our business Jared let's say uh, sales are down who in the company is hurting well everybody's hurting exactly now, right? yeah. if marketing yeah, for sure. leads everybody's hurting if HR yeah. is not on top of their game 
it hurts the culture. Everybody's hurting, right? So this is this yeah. has to be the momentum that we're we're incorporating into our business. And then day six, <clears throat> excuse me, he said he created more animals, uh, and then he created us. And 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 ultimately, we've been given that mandate that I said earlier to be fruitful, to multiply. This is multiply. So if 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 I have the systems in place and there's momentum in our business, now I can actually scale this thing. If I don't have those systems in place, there's zero chance that I'm going to successfully scale anything, right? Scale it right to the ground. Uh, but then day seven is rest, which comes back to, I think, a little bit of patience of how we got on this topic. It's it, it's it's what's interesting, too. The Bible clearly says that God, I mean, clearly God didn't get, he didn't get tired. It's not like he was like, oh man, that's a tough six days. I, I need a break. He's thinking <laughs> God, right? It says that he created the Sabbath for man. He didn't create it for himself. He created right. it for us. Now, there's an honor and an expectation that we we honor him on that day, right? But it was it's for us to actually rest. And how many of us entrepreneurs are like, yeah, I'll, I'll rest when I'm dead. That was my philosophy until I, I read <laughs> this and I'm like, okay, there's actually – this this works. I need rest. I need to take a day to to just not be creating in my business. And if I follow this pl- this blueprint, this template, it freaking works every time. And here's the yeah. the cool thing: if you're already in business, Jared, if 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 people listen to this are in business, they can lay this blueprint up almost like an X-ray and just do a screenshot of like, okay, where are we at? Where are we struggling in our business? Because it's, it's, it's clear. It's so clear when we understand that it's so easy just to go back to the previous day. And what I mean by that is if, if sales are down, right, we, we're not creating momentum. I got to go back into order, right? I, I got to figure out, are our people doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it, how they're supposed to be doing it. If they don't, if they're not, then I just got to go back to structure. Do they even know what they're supposed to be doing? Do we have an expectation of a playbook in place if not, then I go back to culture because we got to we got to have a team meeting here and we got to understand like, hey, uh, are we all on the same page here? And if they're not, then I go back to vision. And if the vision is clear, we can create the culture, the structure, the order, the the ultimately the the momentum to multiply our business, not forgetting to take that period of rest. That that man is is a blueprint for success that works every single time. That's so good. And you, you, you jumped off of a question about patience. And what struck me in, in that, uh, as you were laying that out, was that day seven, you said, you know, it's a day of rest after all of that. But God didn't need the rest, right? It's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, he built this, he built all this stuff. And you're talking about how all these things work together. And it's like, day seven was the day that he waited, right? And day seven is sort of like, that's the day where he taught you patience. Now you've done all these things. And now you have to now now is now is the ingredient is time, right? Yes. And you're waiting for these things to all build. For him, it was building the earth, right, to where it was. For us, it is, uh, you know, for one of my businesses, it is waiting for people to call for us to coat their concrete, right, or to yep. fix their hot rod. Those are some of my businesses, right? But right. it's it patience is is um is a part of what you do, and it, it, you. You know, you have to build your business and know that it's going to take time to get there. But I, I love what you just laid out. Is that is that sort of is that seven day thing? Is that available somewhere for people to plug into if they love that? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I, I wrote a book 
called the the Kingdom Entrepreneur, uh, the Seven Day Blueprint that lays it out entirely. Well, there you um, go. But also, I believe, uh, let me just confirm. I think it's the Seven Day Blueprint dot com. I love uh, that a guy is so busy and has so much going on. He's got to Google his own yeah. stuff <laughs> to see where it. Breaks like, that I feel I feel very seen right now. It's- like that's okay. Yes, <laughs> I feel very connected to you. That's great, man. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm pretty sure it's it's the seven day blueprint.com. I imagine you could Google it. Riley Meek and seven day blueprint. Let's, I want to give one last little check to the chicken. You know, the, the challenge of this show sometimes is you can't always pick something that's going to get done in the course of the show, but we are just about oh, there, baby. It's looking Come good. On. This is looking good. We got some. Look at, oh my God, the, it's getting juicy there. All right. So we're not quite to. Uh, to the FDA's recommended temp yet, and we're going to get there. We listen. We we have faith, but we also don't be stupid and eat raw chicken. Um, patience, patience, Jared. Patience is right. So, Riley, I could I could talk to you about this all day, and and definitely feel like you're a kindred spirit. Um, thank you so much for sharing all this with us. If somebody wanted to connect with you, the name of the book was uh, the Kingdom Entrepreneur. The Kingdom the Entrepreneur, and if they. Uh, if they wanted to connect with you and, and your movement, how would they find you? Uh, joinkingscouncil.com. And uh, yeah, I think we lay out um, all the different programs and things that we have on there. And uh, yeah, that, I mean, that seven-day blueprint, we'll get, we have fr- tons of free resources and things like that for people. Uh, we've got an app, a community, a, a faith-based community of kingdom entrepreneurs. That's what we're about. And we're, we're here to, uh, you know, provide help resources, but it's really just about community. It's just fun to be uh, uh, on mission with like mindsetted people. And I say mindsetted because it isn't about just being like-minded. Nobody, I mean, it's, it's easy to be around people that are like-minded, but when we're mindsetted, which is mean I'm focused on your success and you're focused on my success and we're going to run this race together. That's what that community is really about. I love it. Well, this was a real treat, Riley. You're you're a treat as well. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our listeners. Guys, if you found some value in this show, and I know you did, please go look up Riley and King's Council and connect with them. Follow them on social media. And also, if you will, if you will send this episode to someone who you think could get some value from it, that would be fantastic. I know there was a lot of value in it if you're a faith-based entrepreneur and you're trying to figure out how to build your business in a way that makes you fit in the, into the plan that God has for you. So uh, please give us a five-star rating everywhere you see us. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on TikTok. I think we're on Napster still. I don't know. Who knows, right? But we're everywhere. Uh, follow us, like us, and we'll see you next time on Slow Smoke Business. Mm-hmm.